for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody and welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. I was saying to my wife uh, today and also yesterday, I was saying, when are we going to go back to normal? I mean, I, I miss just my quiet life here in the little town of Palm coast, Florida. And I I've just had it with all of this drama, but it doesn't seem like we're going back to normal anytime soon. Uh, whatever normal is, I think I've forgotten officially what normal is good to have you with us tonight. I'm Jim Paris and my website is christianmoney.com. We have all of the social media links there, links to all of my books and uh, also, um, you know, our latest uh, articles are linked there as well. And a great show lined up for you tonight. My guest in our guest segment coming up in 28 minutes is author Henry Doktorsky. And this book is absolutely fascinating. I know that most of us are familiar with the Hare Krishna religion. I grew up in Chicago and I used to see the Hare Krishna uh, out on the streets in Chicago I, I never knew this story until I listened to a podcast series recently and learned about the uh, these these two murders that that took place within uh, the Hari Krishna movement. And there's an enormous book that's been written about this. I've got the book here on my desk. It's like almost 700 pages long, talking all about uh, the Hari Krishna murders. And we're going to get into that tonight in about uh, 28 minutes as we get we go back to our one of our favorite regular topics which is true crime next week my guest is nutritional pharmacist ben fuchs and uh, ben has not been with us uh for a few months and of course i'm super interested to ask ben fuchs about coronavirus and supplements and what can we do to boost our immune system and all of that and he's always uh chocked full of Great information. He'll be with us in our guest segment next week. Well, uh, a lot of people are excited about it. A lot of people are signing up. And tonight's sponsor, so that we can be commercial free, is the Virtual Asset Retirement System. And what I want to do is I don't really want to talk to you right now about signing up for it. I just want to tell you how you can get your first three lessons for free just to see if it's for you or not. And what this is, it's all about how to set up an online business and how to use online businesses to create income streams for retirement. If that sounds interesting to you, I want you to write down this website and check this out this week. It is varstraining.com. That's V like in Victor, A-R-S, training.com, varstraining.com. Basically, in a nutshell, I am sharing 
everything I'm doing to make my full-time living working online. And if you're interested in finding out what I'm doing, and it, there's a lot of different things I'm doing, everything from self-publishing uh, to podcasting, as you know, uh, affiliate marketing, a lot of things. I made the first three lessons free so you can check this out without any obligation. You don't even have to give your email address or anything. So check it out tonight. It is VARS, V-A-R-S, training.com. Tonight's sponsor, VARS, Training. Dot com. Okay, let's get into the news tonight. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, talk about not going back to normal. We now have another incident, uh, and I want to go, go through this with you because this happened on Friday night. Some of you may have heard a little bit about it, so I spent a lot of time today reading about this. I just finished watching the uh, body cam video which is now up, if you want to find it, it's over at CNN, of this incident that happened on Friday night. Now, here's what we know. What we know so far is that uh, the, the manager of a Wendy's in Atlanta called the Atlanta Police Department because there was a man in their drive-thru that had fallen asleep, and he was in the line in the drive-thru in his car, and fell asleep and was blocking their drive-through. So so that's how this all began. Now, I've been in drive-throughs before at Wendy's and you know, I I may have fallen asleep myself in a Wendy's drive-through or a McDonald's drive-through. Uh these drive-throughs can be incredibly uh long, especially late at night. So imagine this, he's asleep at the uh in the driver's seat in the Wendy's drive-through. And the manager of the Wendy's calls the police. They come out. They obviously can see that this guy's been drinking. They can smell alcohol on him. So they wake him up, uh, get him out of the vehicle. They have him take the breathalyzer test. And I saw the dash cam and a little bit of the body cam. And, and in the beginning of this, everything was, was beautiful. The guy was cooperative. He took the breathalyzer. He was very lethargic, um, looked like... Um, he wasn't going to be any trouble at all. And, uh, they find out after he takes the breathalyzer that he is legally over the limit. So in most jurisdictions, even though they don't see you actually driving the car, falling asleep behind the wheel, uh, in the drive-through, it clearly is evidence that you were driving. And so he was, uh, you know, he was over the limit. The, the uh, breathalyzer showed he was over the limit. So they told him that and asked him to put his hands behind his back and they began to handcuff him. And so this process, you know, it, it looked very peaceful until that moment. And as soon as they did that, he put up, he began to put up a fight and it was a, a pretty, you know, it, it happened quickly. He, he went from peaceful to fighting uh, the police. He then got, uh, a hold of one of the officer's tasers. And that's when it got really bad. And we don't see the rest of it, but the story unfolds that he had the taser and began running away with the taser. Police were concerned what he was going to do with the taser. Maybe he would use it on the officers if they tried to pursue him. Maybe he would use it on one of the other customers there at Wendy's. In any case, shots were fired. 
his name was Rayshard Brooks. He was shot twice in the back and uh, died from the gunshot uh, wounds. And this one is definitely not the same as what happened to George Floyd. I saw the George Floyd video, and I think we all agreed after watching that video that there was just no, there's no explanation that was going to come out later that was going to change anyone's minds. And maybe in this case, uh, in the end, we, we might all ultimately agree that the guy's running away. This is a DUI stop. This isn't, you know, someone that is necessarily um, dangerous, although we did have the taser. But to shoot him in the back twice, I think, is raising a lot of questions about just the use of force in a situation like this. This is not as clear cut as George Floyd. This is this is this is a guy that was was putting up a, a significant fight. He, he grabbed the officer's taser, which looks like a gun if you've ever seen a taser uh, in an officer's belt. So he could have just as easily grabbed the officer's gun as well. Um, but he, he grabbed his taser and was shot in the back twice. Now, we're going to hear a lot about this. This is now the next, you know, shoot a drop. So this is now what's pushing people out into the streets to riot for this next week. In particular, in Atlanta, where this happened, uh, they're expecting to have a lot of problems with with rioters. And it started last night. Uh, the, the rioters burned to the ground the Wendy's restaurant where this occurred at, as well as set a number of vehicles on fire at that Wendy's. So so that that has already started. We don't know what else is going to happen, but it was interesting to note that the media the mainstream media that continues to refer to these protests as peaceful. We had a CNN crew that was attacked uh, at this Wendy's. They were there uh, covering the protest, which turned into um, the burning down of the Wendy's restaurant. And they were filming this and their camera was actually uh, broken. The, the uh, rioters attacked the crew and broke their camera. The reporter continued to film on her phone, and uh, apparently they were still upset, uh, continued to attack the crew from CNN. They then had to leave the scene altogether. But apparently there is video of this Wendy's being burned to the ground. Uh, so that is, if you missed it, that is now what has happened. And now the debate will start this week about uh, how do we want to enforce DUI? You know, if someone's DUI, do we want to go through this kind of a fight with them? Do, do we take them into custody? And if they resist, could they be killed? I mean, clearly there's more here than the George Floyd situation. We can't conflate those two arrests. This was different in a lot of ways. And if you watch the videos, you'll see it. It, it still doesn't mean, well, this is okay that they killed a guy over a DUI. But when you have a situation like this where the guy got physical to the point that he actually took away uh, the author, the uh, officer's taser, uh, it, this is different. It, you know, there's there's a higher level of resisting going on here, whether or not the shots were justified. I would have to see more 
of the video to to really get a grasp for that. But it is uh, it's 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 a troubling situation. And we're hearing about more and more police officers that are making their plans to leave their job. And I'll tell you this, I would never want to be a police officer. I mean, not only can you, you know, go off to work at any given point uh, and never come back home again. You say goodbye to your family. Maybe that's it. You never come back home. You're taking your life into your own hands in so many different ways. I saw a story recently about an officer uh, up here on I-95. He saw a stranded motorist. He pulls off to the side of the road to help them. And just standing on the side of I-95, he's hit He's hit by a passing car and dies. So it's not, there's so many different ways. Police officers going into a burning building, uh, all kinds of scenarios where they put their lives on the line. And now we've got this new situation where if you are a police officer and you are white and you are approaching an African-American to question them, do a DUI test, Maybe you've got to put them in handcuffs and make an arrest. I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I would be afraid to pull my weapon out. I'd be afraid to do anything. Uh, again, not to justify the deaths of George Floyd or Rayshard Brooks, because I think in in both cases, one case more than the other, it appears to, to have been you know, maybe deadly force uh, was not necessary. It doesn't seem like it was uh, in either case, but it still it puts officers in a difficult position when someone is resisting arrest and there are there are guns involved and tasers involved and things get out of hand and it just takes a second, just a second, and you could lose your life as a police officer. So unless you and I are there in these situations, it's really hard to relate with what they're going through. I mean, it's the middle of the night. It's dark. They're in a Wendy's parking lot. The guy's cooperative. All of a sudden, he's not cooperative. He's fighting the two officers that are trying to cuff him after he fails the breathalyzer. He ends up taking one of the officer's tasers, and he's running through the parking lot with the taser. I don't, I don't see how they could justify shooting him twice in the back. But I can see how that situation escalated to become very dangerous for everybody involved, especially with the backdrop of all of the riots and George Floyd and all of that. So, you know, this one, again, is not the same as George Floyd, but another another life is lost uh, of a black man. And these were two white officers. So there's the narrative. And we're just going to have to find out more about what happened in the coming days as more information uh, is released. Now, it is interesting, though, as we talk about and we watch these riots on television, that the media has seemed to shift gears, that it is now okay to riot, uh, and there's no concern about the coronavirus, about COVID-19. This is the same media that I don't know if anyone else saw this, but there was an interview, maybe it was about three weeks ago or so uh, with Joe Biden, and it was with a CNN anchor, and they were actually lecturing Biden on not having his mask on. <laughs> now, the context of this is that Biden is in his own home in his basement. It, you know, he's totally, you know, in seclusion, 
doing this interview and they're lecturing him about not having his mask on. And, you know, we have this this uh, shaming for not wearing masks. This has been going on in the media now for weeks. Uh, you know, they, they were there in the, the Lake of the Ozarks. Do you remember that? There were 2000 people there, uh, using a swimming pool facility and partying and they didn't have masks on. That was a, a big story in the media. It was just, I think 1500 or 2000 people, but now it's okay during the rioting to not wear masks. Um, apparently that's the virus is smart enough to know that if you're out there rioting, then this is okay. So the whole social distancing, the whole wearing of masks, uh, some of these uh, gatherings are 10,000 people, 20,000 people. Uh, many of them are wearing masks, but nonetheless, there are there's way too close a proximity for there to be any social distancing. So it, it just seems extremely uh, inconsistent. And the same media now, the new narrative that has been picked up over the last few days, if you haven't noticed it, is this whole talk now of a second wave that that we're now going to have a second wave. It's not maybe we'll have a second wave. It is we are now going to have a second wave. So that's the new thing. We've got Governor Cuomo of New York who came out uh, today and he is threatening to reverse the reopening in Manhattan, he says. And, and also the Hamptons amid rampant coronavirus social distancing violations. Apparently people are going out to dinner, they're going to bars, they're standing too close, this sort of thing. But the riots in New York, that, that was fine. But now people are going out and uh, sitting too close where they're sipping wine. And so Cuomo is now threatening. This guy is very patronizing. He's got this attitude that he is like the father of everybody in New York. And he's putting out, you know, he's putting out the edict that, look, I see what you're doing. You're going out and having too good of a time. You're you're getting too close to each other, and I'm threatening you that I will. Daddy will pull the car over if if you don't stop. So the threat has been made. Cuomo is threatening uh, those in the state of New York, uh, particularly in Manhattan and the Hamptons, that uh, he will reverse the reopening uh, if people continue to violate social distancing but this this wasn't in the context of the rioting this was only in the context of uh people going out and enjoying you know their their social time together okay we have to talk tonight a little bit about coronavirus just in general and one of the things that is very curious to me is it seems like every time we get more information we get more science on this. It seems like there's a certain group of people in our society that refuse to adjust to what it, to what we then learn. So this is the same group that said we needed to shut down because it's all about the science and, and the science is saying we have to shut down. So here's what we now know. I mean, this is not, I'm not going to give you all the references tonight. You can look this up online. But based on what I'm seeing, I don't see people making the adjustment for these scientific pronouncements that have been made about where we stand today, today being June the 14th, 2020, where we stand today on the coronavirus issue. We know now 
from science that coronavirus is very rarely, if ever, transferred by asymptomatic carriers. We know that now. We've been told that, that that is now the new information we have. So that being the case, the whole idea of people that are asymptomatic wearing masks um, or, or even the case of children, you, know, you, you always hear this about children. Well, kids can't go back to school. They can't go back to summer camp because even though children are not really being affected by this, they could be asymptomatic carriers. That is, they're carrying the virus, although they're not exhibiting any of the symptoms. They can still be carrying it. They'll bring it home to mom. They'll bring it home to gram- grandpa and grandma. Uh, we, we're, we're being told now that that is not the case, that asymptomatic transmission is extremely rare. And the more numbers that come out, the more this is being confirmed. Um, we also know from science that the newest information is that the coronavirus is not being transferred on surfaces. You remember we were told early on that for nine days it could live on that table at Starbucks or at McDonald's. This is why all those places have closed their lobbies and are still closed in many areas of the country is because there's this idea that that coronavirus is living on those surfaces. We were told nine days Then we were told it could even come through the mail. So if you got a package from China, it could have coronavirus on it. A package from Amazon could have coronavirus inside the package. We were told all this. Then they reduced it to three days. Now the latest science is that even though the coronavirus could, in theory, live on a surface for three days, that there's not enough of the virus typically that you could actually contract it from a surface. Now this has been announced that this is the new information, but yet you, no one is adjusting to this. You're everybody's got bleach out and you use a credit card terminal and someone comes up behind you and they're spraying everything with bleach. People cannot adjust to the new information. Also masks. We are, we're again being reminded that the masks that people are wearing Unless they're a medical mask, an N95 mask, they're not doing any good. And we now know that not only has the WHO come out against wearing masks for healthy people, but we're now getting new information that healthy people wearing masks are potentially getting sick from wearing those masks. But yet we've got insanity going on just about an hour and a half from here over by where the theme parks are at Disney and universal, which are now open. They've got people in 90 degree. It'll be a hundred degrees in a couple of weeks here. They've got people walking around in these theme parks with masks on in 90 degree, 95 degree weather. And you, you can't tell me that that is not going to cause problems for people just breathing in that heat without the mask on is a big deal. Um, but some people, some people will not let this go. It is like there's the high watermark of where we were. We still have in our town here, in our city of Palm Coast, we still have government buildings closed. We have a mayor that is refusing, even though our county has opened up everything in the parks and all of that, these people are still upset that our beaches are open. Even though we've been told now 
The science is out and it's settled that being outside, especially in open air where there's sunlight, is a good thing for preventative and the transfer is not an issue when you're in those kind of situations. In particular, if obviously if you're socially distancing and you're out at the beach, which um, our beaches are empty here. We, we're not Miami. We don't have people on the beaches laying shoulder to shoulder. That's not how it is here. I go out on the beach and walk for 30 minutes. Sometimes I never see anybody else. But the first thing they wanted to go after was to shut down the beaches. We now know that that doesn't make any sense to close the beaches, that that's where you want to be. You want to be on the beach. You want to be out in the sunlight. You want to be in the open green spaces. We're also hearing a lot from the news media about the rising number of cases. We, but here's the deal. If you look at the states where the cases are going up, you're also finding that they're doing a lot more tests. And the number that the experts have told us we need to follow is the percentage of positive tests. That number, that is the key number. So here in Florida, it is now only 5.1% of all those people being tested are actually coming out positive. We, and we also know that Deborah Burks, who is one of the top people on the president's coronavirus um, uh, task force, said that there is a very high incident of false positives in the coronavirus testing. So we're not going to, you know, we're not one of those shows that said this isn't real, that it's a conspiracy. Obviously it's real, but there's, there's a lot more to this. Um, and for people to, to just today ignore the science that two months ago, we're pushing science, science, science. And now the new science is coming out and they refuse to accept these new uh, positions. I still think it makes good sense to socially distance. I mean, wh why take the extra chance and not, you know, social socially distance? I think that's smart. Like here in Florida, our restaurants are just 50 percent open. I think these are smart things to do. Uh, wearing a mask, uh, if it's a medical uh, grade mask, uh, if you're someone that is sick, I think that's smart, even smarter. Stay home if you're at risk or you're sick. Those are all smart things to do. It, but it, it, it is uh, interesting to me how a lot of people are still just not willing to adjust. And we've got to follow the science. I agree with that. But the science is changing. We get more new information every day that influences uh, the whole discussion and debate on this. All right. One more topic before we go to our special guest uh, who is holding. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is funny, but it's not funny. Because a lot of people are struggling financially right now. But this just shows you how inept the government can be. People are throwing away their financial stimulus debit cards. And this is because the government is sending out these cards in an envelope that does not say government on it. So when you go to the mailbox and you get a letter and it's from the IRS, what it, well, you're, that's going to be the first letter you open. I mean, you're opening that letter before you even get in the house if it says IRS on it or or it's an official government letter, right? Well, these these letters are going out. These envelopes don't say anything on them about the government. In fact, the, the only thing they say on them is uh, something like money network cardholder services. And you open it up and it's really cheap, chintzy little card. It's not even like 
a regular credit card. It looks like one of those cards you get like in a sales type of a letter, a little thin card. Well, that card that says money network cardholder services could be your stimulus money. And in your family, I mean, that could be worth, you know, over a thousand dollars, you know, depending on how many people are in your family, it could be worth more than $2,000 and people are just (laughs) that throwing them away because it looks like a piece of junk mail. So we're just, you know, mentioning this. uh, If you get something that says money network cardholder services, go online and take a look at this because it very well could be your stimulus uh, payment. This is going to people where the government cannot find you. You didn't go online to irs.gov and update your bank account. So they don't have your banking information. And maybe you're someone that doesn't have a bank account. A lot of people today don't use bank accounts. That's fine. They, they, they just, uh, I don't know, put their money under the mattress or they use these different debit cards where their employer pays their paycheck to a debit card. But for whatever reason, if you fall into this group of people that the government doesn't have your banking information and you've never updated it in recent weeks on one of these portals that they've set up and you get one of these kind of funny looking envelopes, it very well could be your stimulus payment and you could be throwing away thousands of dollars by putting this out into the trash. All right, we'll take a one minute break. We'll refire the open. I'm really excited about this interview. Our guest will be Henry Doktorsky. The book is Killing for Krishna. We'll be back in one minute. Stand by. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. 